Coming up on today's show, we're going to continue going through the 2019 unofficial guide and hitting some more highlights. This coming up on Traveling with the Mouse. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Traveling with a Mouse. This is episode number 181, and it is Monday, January the 28th. And as we did, what, approximately two weeks ago, we hit some highlights of some things from the unofficial guide. i got to be honest, I can't remember how we started or how we got into it, but I remember I bookmarked my place in the 2019 unofficial guide. I guess just interesting points or things that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah that we started with just to discuss the part I've come down to for today. Oh, by the way, my name is, uh, I'm your host and my name is John Martin and I'm joined as always by Adam Brown. That's me. There you go. That's you. That's yes. me. I, I was looking in the, and the place that I had less last left off hmm. was about to talk about, it says extra magic hours and the touring plans. I think I want to skip forward to that a little bit and talk a little bit about FastPass Plus. Okay. Because they do have some things like recommended ones that that come up pretty much. Right. And so um, for those of you that don't know, FastPass Plus is Disney's free ride reservation system. It's like making a reservation at a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, only you're making it for an attraction. Right. You know, you can start doing it at the 60-day mark if you're staying at a... Hotel and Disney property, so this does include Swan Dolphin, mm-hmm. um, di- now the Disney Spring area hotels, things like that. But if you're not, I mean, you still have somewhat of an advantage to. Th- I mean, you still have access to it, not an advantage. If you're staying at not one of those included hotels, it gets cut in half basically, right. thirty Time. days. Yeah. So, just to be straight up with you, if you're not staying on Disney property you're not getting something like flights of passage right bottom line or mine train just not just not feasible yeah or seven dwarfs mine train just not feasible that you're going to get one of those unless you just happen to keep checking 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 and get lucky that somebody dropped one right but as far as like getting one at a time that you're probably looking for yeah because it's going to be it's going to be i mean because like flights of passage from my understanding is gone in like i don't know a matter of minutes Literally, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It doesn't take long at all. I would say, too, Slinky Dog Dash is gone just as fast. Yes, that's right. Yeah, currently. Yeah. Yeah. So, just to give you an idea of what you're going to be facing for those particular fast pass, I will say this there are some that are still popular, but they're not quite as on the same level as those that you can get. For instance, this last time I missed like waking up early i guess for the fast pass plus for when it first came on of course there was no flights of passage but there was still a significant amount it seemed of navi river journey and we're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 hours after it became available so some of the newer attractions are some that are not quite the like a-listers i guess right they still do have some availability Mm -hmm. so if yeah. you do happen to miss doing that, it, all hope is not gone. So yeah. you can still get some good ones at thirty days, just not yes. the most popular ones. Right. I don't think I've ever tried the thirty day mark. So 
I've tried within 60 days, like within the 60 days, and still able to get a few things, but not flight of passage or stuff like that. But, you know, it's not, it's not, like you said, all hope is not lost at that point. Still, you can still get things. This is also one of those things where people probably start getting like, well, this is so complicated. They might just opt for a tra- having a travel agent do it for them. Yeah. I definitely know people that would go that route for sure when they see if it's complicated. Yeah. I think it's probably boosted the travel agent industry regarding Disney, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, I believe there's there's uh, definitely a market for it, especially seems, after Fast Pass yeah, Plus. There seems to be more than yeah. there used to be. It's really not that bad to do it on your own if you so wish. But then again, maybe it might be because planning it is part of like one of my favorite parts. But right. when it comes to it, so and just to throw this in really quick, we've done we've talked about this before, but the sixty day window is, you know, sixty days from your first day. But you can book. I think it's ten, up to ten days if you're staying that long, for from that point. So if your first day is sixty days out, you can still book. The 61, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 as well, days out from that point. It's just you can first start booking for your entire trip, basically, at that 60-day window. But that also means that someone who's coming the day before you has first dibs on the the first day that you're going to be there. So they've already selected Flight of Passage, most likely, for your first day or one of the days that you're going to be there. So that's why when you, whenever I've looked for Fast Passage 60 days, if I'm looking for Flight of Passage, I won't look for the first day that I'm there. I'll look for two or three days in. And usually it's available for like the afternoon at that point not the morning so i've never seen flight of passage in the morning available when i've looked for it at 60 days so just to put that in perspective too people who are there before you are still going to get the opportunity first so 60 days it gives you the best chance but it's still not going to necessarily give you any time you want and just keep in mind they don't offer fast pass for literally everything just yet, although they're approaching it. They're trying. Probably 70 things property wide, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. But mo- I mean, most of the stuff that people want to do obviously are included in fast pass plus. Yeah. So now there is some recommendations in here. I'm just going to throw out there for anyone that might be listening. They recommend getting fast pass plus before 11 a.m. for the following attractions. Okay. Mm hmm. At Magic Kingdom, all character meet and greets, any of them that you choose to do, hmm. is considered you should get those before 11 a.m. Enchanted Tales with Bill makes sense to me. Um, Peter Pan's Flight. Yeah. That makes Seven sense. Dwarfs, Mine Train, Space Mountain, or Splash Mountain. Hmm. Now, obviously, you can't get that for all of those. Right. Those are just the ones that you should, that are in the group of ones you should get if you choose to, to want yeah. to do them. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to choose order of importance when it comes to these types of things. Sure. Interestingly enough, since I was talking about the first one on there, I said all the character meet and greets. Mm-hmm. I remember because we, when we first started this, I talked about a podcast that I had heard with Mr. Lynn Testa, the um, creator of 
touring plans, one that he was on at that particular time. And he mentioned, one of the things he mentioned in there was talking about doing their surveys and surveys with preschoolers, basically, or toddler. I mean, well, you know, like the mm-hmm. the kid range. Right. The ones that were... Yeah, so was... they're actually surveying the kids. Like, their top, like, 19, there's not a single ride. Yeah. It's all character, meet and greets, parades, fireworks, as far as what the things that they rank the highest. Yeah. So it looks as though, you know, kids are caring more about experiences that involve their characters or, you know, visual stuff like the fireworks more so than they are actual rides Yeah, at, at that age range. So that is interesting because yeah. I think about it from a, my kid's perspective. My son's five now, so he's starting to get more into the rides, but he absolutely loves meeting characters he doesn't care who it is he loves meeting anybody so we always try to throw in either a character meal or some meet and greets in our trips because that's one of the things he loves the most so right makes sense so you know if like in our situation you know we've gone plenty of times before and one of the things we said we wanted to focus on was the fact that we're going with our family our own families now when we started doing this podcast, one thing you got to keep in mind, if that's you, then yes, it is kind of important to get, you would think, oh, it's not important before to get a uh, fast pass to a character meet, but yeah, it kind of is now Mm -hmm. because it's going to save you time for one thing. And it's going to guarantee that you're going to get to see certain ones that, you know, have the fast pass available option available. So it it actually will it is important to get those types of things on FastPass. So yeah. Again, when we move down the list of the Epcot selections, the first one that they list is Character Spot, hmm. Frozen Ever After, Mission Space Orange, and Soren and Test Track. Those are yeah. kind of obvious ones at the end there. So you know they recommend again, like we said, you can't get all of those for one thing. There's tiering, and two of those yes. I know for the fact that are mentioned during the same tier. Right. So you can't get both of those before 11 a.m. You have to make a choice. But these are ones that they they recommend out of these. If you're going to do one, choose those one of those for 11, before 11 a.m. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I think the afternoon time for frozen ever after is actually a really good time because it's i think that's the time when a lot of people wind up or find themselves in world showcase Mm -hmm. somewhere around the four o'clock range i feel like is a really good time to like purposefully choose a fast pass for that if you're gonna if you're gonna choose that as one of yours yeah so i wouldn't i would i would not recommend that as a before 11 a.m just personally i know they did i actually would think afternoon for that one you're going to end up with this, the same thing. But if you're going to get it, though, I mean, you do have to pick it then instead of mm-hmm. getting an early morning one for, say, Soren yeah. or Test Track, one of the two. So, Yeah. And the character spot, I don't know. I mean, there's more of those available later, I think. I still would recommend getting one for it if you can. Yeah. I, you know, especially if you have kids, so. Because I have waited in the standby for character spot and ended up waiting way longer than the posted time was. So, Animal Kingdom, 
Not really. You know, it's funny. They do have them here, but they don't list them first. Everest, they list high on the list. I think mm-hmm. that kind of depends on your party because if you have a party where only one person really wants to do it, single rider is going to be just as advantageous. Mm-hmm. Festival of the Lion King, he's usually high on the list. Probably the only show over there I would say that you would need a fast pass for, and you may not always. Yeah. But if there's going to be one that you need it for, get it for that one, that's for sure. Yeah. Because um, we did try to do this show without a fast pass, and we walked up as the show was um, lo- loading or, or as guests were entering f- the building. Uh-huh. And we were probably about 10 people back from making it in the building when they said it's full. So they uh, said, you have to wait till the next show. Yep. So we almost made it, but we didn't quite make it. So if you want to try to just walk in on this one, you might make it, but fast pass will at least guarantee you get in. So, Right. Timing. It is very popular. Yep. And you approached right at showtime? Yeah, it was maybe five minutes before. So also on this list, Manjaro Safari's recommended um, Meet Mickey and Minnie at Adventures Outpost. Mm-hmm. Flight of Passage, of course, and Navi River Journey. Obviously, number one on this list to get for morning time is going to be Flights of Passage. Yeah. Right now, hands if down, you if it, you're going to yeah. do it. And, of course, it does depend on what your interest is at that point in time. But if you're wanting to do this, that should be the first one you look for, period. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Of all the attractions at Walt Disney World right now. But yes. it should be the, the first day that you look to do is... Animal Kingdom flights of passage. Yeah. Well, not necessarily first day, but first time. For, as soon as it's available for whatever day you're going to Animal Kingdom. Right. Yeah. Whatever day you're planning to go to Animal Kingdom, yeah. make that your first fast pass Option. that you try to get. Yeah. Right. Agreed. So, okay. Hollywood Studios, uh, they have Rock and Roller Coaster, Slinky Dog Dash, Tower of Terror, Toy Story Mania, Star Tours. And of course, since this is for 2019. They have on here the two attractions at Galaxy's Edge, which will be opening sometime yeah. in the fall. So I guess this really depends on what time of year this year. If you're going, say, obviously, it sounds like maybe even December. Let's right. just say if you're going in December this year, by the time your Fast Pass Plus is available, you're probably going to want to get the Millennium Falcon attraction as your A number one, Right, I would think. And if for some reason you can't get that, you definitely want to make your next selection, what's it called again? Rise of the Resistance. Yes, Rise of the Resistance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that would be your next option. Unless, of course, you care nothing of Star Wars, then go with Slinky Dog or you know one of those. But Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they tier Hollywood Studios. Are they going to keep Slinky Dog in Tier 1 with the Star Wars attractions? Because you know both of those are going to be in Tier 1. Are they going to make... I think they are. I, I, um, yeah, I think they This is how be. I feel like. I feel Tier 1 is going to be both the Star Wars attractions mm-hmm. and Slinky Dog. Right. I think the one they kick out is probably Mania. Probably, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. that's That think, would be think, my guess. Yeah, I think Mania gets kicked to the next tier. Oof. So. So, which means Slinky Dog will probably be more readily available because everyone's going to want to do Star Wars. Yeah. So, I mean, what's rock, where does Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror fall on this now? I think they're on tier two. 
Does, I'm trying to remember. Does Hollywood Studios have three or does it have two? Just from looking at it. I mean, for the longest time, I mean, they could, probably could have done with just one tier, truthfully, but they may expand to three when the when uh, Galaxy's Edge opens. It looks like Toy Story Mania, Alien Saucers, and Slinky Dog are in one tier right now. And it says other available are... Yeah, the rest, basically everything else, Rock and Roll, Coaster Tower Terror, our Star Tours, they're all in Tier 2. Okay. Including Phantasmic. Gotcha. So, yeah, right so now it's Toy Story Land and everything else. So they're going to stick to the Tier 1, everything else is... You get two of Tier 2. So that landscape, as far as the... Hollywood Studios goes is going to change this year. Yeah. yeah. So, I wonder if the Lightning McQueen Racing Academy is also going to be added to the list of Fast Pass attractions. I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. You never know. So. So it'll yeah. spread things out a little bit more. So they actually have a kind of like a tip here about how it affects your weights in line, since the plus system i guess basically was introduced in early 2014 they claim that it's had the effect of lowering wait times at disney headliner attractions touring mm-hmm. plans being who they are they've gone through here they've analyzed more than two million standby wait times collected at walt disney world with fast Pass plus running and they compared those with eight million standby wait times collected across walt disney world since 2009 and they have determined that wait times are down down significantly at the following attractions. Hmm. Rock and Roller Coaster, Expedition Everest, Toy Story Mania, and Test Track. Okay. While they're actually seeing wait times after this system was in place, they're hmm. seeing wait times increased overall at Pirates of the Caribbean, yep. the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Definitely true. Magic Carpets of Aladdin. Primeval World, Dinosaur, Spaceship Earth, and believe it or not, Journey into Imagination. Mm, Um, I can see that too, actually. I would think that one's only marginally because it's still usually never a large weight, but increased, I could see. Yeah. Here's a tip, too. If you're ever in line for Journey into Imagination and you've used all your fast passes or you haven't booked any, Pull your phone out and see if you can get one because you probably can get one for the exact time you're standing in the standby line and just walk out and get in the fast pass line. Just saying. Right. It's usually pretty available. That, yeah, that think- doesn't surprise me. Though. Pirates, I know, is way longer because it was always a five-minute wait back in the day. When we were there in well, 2009 and 10. you could almost get on it super fast. Yeah, but I even noticed, though, like, I I would have to think about how, like, the wait times were, let's just say, pre-Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Because I feel True. like when the movies that came did along, help. Yeah. I mean, we're talking 2003, though, but I feel like when the movies came along, I think it got another shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. Because, like, prior to that, I mean, we're talking about visiting there in the late... 90s you wouldn't even dream of getting a paper fast pass or anything like that to for pirates right you wouldn't even have to matter of fact the number of paper fast pass and when i say that because that's what they all i had then when they started Mm -hmm. rolling that part out i mean it was very rare that you even really needed one Yep. i guess you could just get it for convenience 
usually it was places like Test Track where you wanted to get one, or maybe even Soren mm-hmm. uh, to get yeah. one. So, yep. That's all funny. right. So they do list on here like priorities at each park that they have. So they give you an example, like say for instance, the suggested start times for Fast Pass Plus reservations and Magic Kingdom. Of course, they have the earliest one being the Mine Train, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is 9 a.m. That's what they recommend. Peter Pan's flight 10 a.m. and Enchanted Tales with Bell 11 a.m. Um, so they consider those to be like your morning uh, Fast Pass reservations that you need to get, right? Or their suggestions. Right. Yeah. The time frame. And I think they say the 9 a.m. I guess it really depends on what time the park opens. But let's just say you're doing extra magic hour morning. That means if you have your Seven Dwarfs Mind Train for 9 a.m., you have a chance to do one or two smaller things. Yeah. Before that. You know, before it. Yeah. Possibly. If you really want to ride it twice, just jump in line when you first get there and then use your Fast Pass to ride it again. That's an option. So. That's what we were going to try to do this couple of weeks ago, but it it was broken down, so it just didn't right. work out. Because, I mean, you get, even then, though, like you get 9, 9 a.m., but that just means you have to be there between 9 and 10. Right. Yeah. And, of course, the next one between 10 and 11, you don't have to be there right at 9 a.m. if you don't really want to. And does the book say, because I know you have five minutes beforehand that you can get in line, but I thought it was 15 minutes after you can still use your fast pass. Is that right? Um, or is it down to five minutes after? I think they at least have a buffer on before and after. I don't know. I don't see yeah. that. I know for a fact it's five minutes early because I've done that many times. But I think you can miss it and still get in within a few minutes after if, you, if you've missed it. So I wouldn't try to push that but definitely early if you have the option you can get in five minutes early before your time starts so okay yeah i was looking at that going along though the pay to play fast pass plus did they keep this i know they started testing it calling it signature services with some concierge level hotels i don't oh, yeah. know i, I think there's i think that still is a thing yeah if you're staying club level you have the option to buy more fast passes. Yeah, I think so. Right. So for an extra 50 bucks per person, basically, per day. Yeah. You can get um, three extra, I think it is. Well, guests who stay a minimum of three days may do the following. Make six fast pass Plus reservations rather than the standard three. Mm. Make additional fast pass Plus selections in the same tier. No. For example, choose both Pandora rides right. rather than just one of them. <clears throat> That is good. Make Fast Pass Plus reservations at more than one theme park with a valid Park Harbor Pass. That's good, too. <laughs> and make Fast Pass Plus selections 90 days in advance rather than 60. Wow. So. Yeah. I wonder how many club-level guests there are at any given time, because that is a huge advantage. Well, you're paying for it. True. I mean, it's not really... But if you're paying club-level, you're probably able to pay for this anyway hopefully it's extra anyway. 50 bucks per person per Let's day hope. uh maybe maybe you were just desperate you wanted to save up to stay club level one day or something yeah you probably don't have enough to do this part to save some more right well i imagine there's plenty of people who do come that stay club level at 50 bucks you wouldn't even notice it 
uh, an extra 50 on top of the price you're paying for a club level room. So they have a section here called like the readers react to FastPass plus. Mm-hmm. There was one that said it was great to schedule our fast passes ahead of time and know when, when and where we were going to be. Right. If a ride was closed during our scheduled time, we got an email and we were able to go back at any time the rest of the day to switch the attraction or time. Mm-hmm. But then you get comments like the next one, which obviously was a traveler from the past and or a frequent one from back in the day. And they very simply say the only people who like FastPass Plus are the ones who didn't know how to use the old system. <laughs> That's pretty much what okay. they say. That was all they said to it. So, That's it? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I will okay. say this. I mm. do it because it's there, but if I really had the option whether to do it or not do it, I would not do it. <laughs> I would rather be able to be a little more flexible with my plans than have to plan it around a ride time. But it is mm. what it is. It works for for help of reducing the wait time. Yeah. I would prefer that to park obviously be to a crowd level where I wouldn't have to do that, but that's not the nature of the business now. So yeah. that's just how it goes. Yeah. I personally yeah. like it. I, I like it much more than paper fast passes for sure because with that you basically sent whoever was the fastest runner ahead with all of your tickets. And they would run ahead and run your tickets through the machine to get the paper fast passes and risk losing your ticket or dropping it or, you know, all this other stuff. I much prefer this because you can plan ahead. You know what you're doing well in advance. And you can adjust it on the fly, you know. I I like it. Well, I have another one here that says I'm a type A pre-planner and even I can't stand the rigidity and stress involved in this system. (laughs) Stress. Finally, the choices you have to make and the tiers are ridiculous. The only two rides in Epcot's Future World that need a Fast Pass are Soaring and Test Track. And with Fast Pass Plus, you have to pick one and stand in line for the other. Even with the touring plans, which I love, we have to wait 30 to 40 minutes for one or the other. Two thumbs down and two more from my husband. <laughs> okay. So, Two smelly toes down. Yes. It's not stressful. <laughs> If you think this is stressful, you don't have stress. Right, right. (laughs) It's more stressful than what they want to use when they're on vacation, probably. Which is probably also one of the reasons why, as I said when we first started this, that the option to use a travel agent has become more of a popular option for Mm -hmm. those that are doing this. Now, of course, once it's already planned out and they already have gotten some of the stuff they want to do, they don't mind having to go in there and make adjustments or grab fast pass for this, that, and the other. They probably find that part kind of fun. I think it's more the initial having to do it before you get there that gets people. Once they're there sure. and they're having to choose these things, it's probably not as much of a big deal for this type of individual that's complaining on this. Mm-hmm. They might get a decent amount of them, but I feel like overall, like the people who travel in from all over the place, you know, knowing that they can actually reserve things in advance and not have to travel such a far distance and maybe get to do something or maybe not get to do something they wanted to do, you know? Yeah. They're getting kind of a guarantee that they're going to be able to do something that they wanted to do, you know? 
So I think that's where it becomes an advantage nowadays compared to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, cause I, you know, yeah, I think you go far enough back people that were planning their trip, say a year in advance, they didn't know then whether their favorite attraction was going to be even up or down. Uh, you know, they didn't have that kind of scheduling that far in advance yeah. back then. So right. this is mm-hmm. definitely better as a whole, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They have one they go into where they actually had rated thrill rides okay. at Disney. You know, a lot of them have pre-ride warnings, obviously. But it does say Central Florida Roller Coasters. It has a list here. I'm assuming this is based on surveys and such. Mm-hmm. That they say they have their top 17 Central Florida Roller Coasters. Okay. And which park it's in. The first two are both at SeaWorld. One of them, the Manta, is like extremely short. Well, not not extremely short. It's not the the shortest. Believe it or not, the shortest one ride time on here, out of all these. Believe it or not, is Rock and Roller Coaster. Um, Rock and yeah. Roller Coaster clocks in at a minute twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's short. <laughs> I mean, you're going so dang fast. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's short. And it's well, the thing is, it's not even the fastest one on the list the fastest one on the list is mako at SeaWorld, and its mm-hmm. top speed is 73 miles an hour wow uh, nice. i've not done that one they do have out here on the side like the ride feel as far as like how the ride feels and they both of those at SeaWorld they say very smooth probably because yeah. of the age even manta even though it's been like 10 years or so mm-hmm. still pretty smooth but when it gets to the disney coasters everest is considered very smooth Rock and roller coaster is considered very smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would um, definitely agree with that. Yeah. Of the Disney ones on this list, there's really only one that says rough, and you can probably guess which one that is. Space Mountain? Yep. Because <laughs> I rode Space Mountain again this time, too. And yeah, besides the fact that I feel like my head's going to get lopped off, <laughs> or my hands, if I put my hands up, that... Yep. Uh, yeah, it feels r- rough. It, uh, again, I've said this before. When Tron opens, I really hope that they do a proper refurb on Space Mountain and rebuild the track. Maybe maybe that's part of the plan. I hope so. Interestingly enough, that um, Space Mountain, it says rough out to the side, but it's also the slowest speed-wise at 27 miles. Oh, wait, wait no, no, it's not either. Escape from Gringotts is 26 miles an hour. So. Okay. Almost this really the difference is you're in the dark in Space Mountain so you feel like you're going much faster because you can't see where you're going yeah oh yeah that's the only difference but it's fun Uh, it's still a lot of fun it's definitely rough though there's actually only two on this list that got rough in general one was Space Mountain but the other was actually Universal Studios and it's the Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket one that I've not done so I wonder why that one's so rough you got me. I, I don't know. I kind of felt. I mean, it says on here that the Hulk coaster was kind of smooth. I don't know that I would say it was rough. It was definitely intense. Yeah, it's one of the most intense ones probably there overall. Probably. But even though it doesn't go quite as fast as Mako, but still pretty fast. Sixty-seven miles an hour is its top speed. That is pretty fast. Which it says here, Rock and Roller Coaster, it actually has speed 57. So even though I know it says like 0 to 60 on the thing, so it's probably about where it gets up to. Rounding up. It's kind of like the uh, Castle Run. You just kind of round. 
down. Uh, I don't remember what he said. Yeah. Uh, if you round down. Yeah. Right. So we have Walt Disney World Resort privileges at a glance, as okay. they call it. Okay. So basically, um, this is just get hidden on which ones you get certain privileges at and not so much on the others. Any Disney resort and Disney vacation club property, you're going to get your Fast Pass Plus reservation 60 days out. Mm-hmm. You're going to get your restaurant reservations now up to 190 days. Hmm. Okay. Which most people do not obviously know that. Yeah, I didn't so know that. Any official Disney hotel, you're actually getting 10 extra days. Hmm. Restaurant reservations. So, okay, that's good to know. Need to keep that in mind. Of course, you're getting extra magic hours and you're getting Magical Express. So, Swan and Dolphin, you get the 60 days out on the Fast Pass Plus, of course, the 180 days on the restaurant reservation. They get also have magic hours, and ma- and there is no Magical Express is what there is on the most of the rest of these. Right. The rest of the the only ones that have Magical Express are the official Disney Resort hotels and Disney Vacation Club properties. Okay, right. mm-hmm. and of course Swan and Dolphin, Shades of Green, and the Disney Springs area hotels they all have the sixty days out for Fast Pass Plus, eight hundred eighty day reservation, and they have extra magic hours. Then there is the Four Seasons Orlando. Which does have Fast Pass Plus, but still just 30 days out. They still have the 180 days on restaurant reservations. And it actually does participate in magic hours. Every other hotel that you go to that's not one of the ones I just mentioned, mm-hmm. 30 days out for Fast Pass Plus, 180 days restaurant. You know, that's just the typical for everyone else, basically. Right, right. Right. So, mm-hmm. and of course, no magic hours. That's right. the one thing. So there are more options now than there used to be for magic hours if that matters to you yeah uh, just uh to throw that out there yeah and i think we've mentioned that before too is i think the morning magic hours are better than the evening ones for the most uh, part yeah Depends. i would say so now just because even when it comes to disney guests i think more people are going to be opting to stay somewhere later than they are get somewhere early <laughs> Right. <laughs> Earlier than they already are. Yeah. So So if you can make it early, that'll probably be better off than staying late. I've, although, like, Magic Kingdom, when it's staying open really late and it's been two extra hours, by the time you get to that last hour, it's cleared out of quite a bit. So it can be beneficial for both, but more so in the morning, I think. So... I'm going to hit a couple of things here in which they have like unofficial tips when it comes to resorts. You know, they basically have four tiers, which the oldest value resorts are the least expensive typically, which is, you know, sports, music, and movies. Pops considered a little bit more expensive than that. And of course, Art of Animation is the newest one that's going to be the most expensive of that because some of them obviously are family suites, so they're going to be more expensive. But even the Little Mermaid rooms, due to the popularity, are usually going to be more expensive as well because they yield rates. Yep. So That's been my experience. I paid way more for the Mermaid room than I did for the room at Pop. And it was a better room at Pop. It was (laughs) way better. 
And another thing, part of the popularity of the mermaid rooms as well does have to do with the fact that there's not as many of them. So the people that want to get them, they 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 go faster, mm. and thus it gives Disney again at Disney yielding rates, they have the option of charging more for those particular rooms. Yeah, and and it works. And it's so. the only rooms at Art of Animation that are going to be less than like three hundred dollars a night. <laughs> Because the rest of them are all the family suites. So, the only 100 to $150 a night rooms at Art of Animation are the mermaid rooms. Now, there is one other value resort that does have an option of family suites, and that is All Star Music has some hmm. at their place. They're usually a little bit cheaper, too, though. Theirs can be as little as 240 Okay. That's good. It, but they sleep roughly the same amount of people. I think you're not going to get quite the same amount of space, though, as you would over at Art of Animation. Yeah, but still, it's an option if you need more space. But I'm going to give you guys a couple of, as it says in here, unofficial tips. It says, um, understand that Disney Reservation Center and Walt Disney Travel Company representatives don't have detailed personal knowledge of resorts. I've, Keep that I've in mind. known that firsthand, <laughs> talking to yes. them. I've learned yes. that. And the thing is, to a degree, I'm sure they're following a script. So Yeah, that's true. You know, booking online is much faster than calling. So if you must call, do so before 11 a.m. or after 3 p.m. That's just kind of like the times that are probably going to be easier to get through, in other words. Nowadays, though, most even if you want to change something, you can do most of the time you can do it online. Yeah, I prefer no online. Hassle. About the only time you're going to need to call is if there's something special, like you have a current reservation and you want to get the discount. Yeah. Or you could do like I just did and actually change where you're going to stay and then you get the discount still. So ah, for okay. so if you do that, if you're actually changing hotels, you have an option to get the, the late, whatever the latest discount is. I see. So Makes sense. There's that. And of course, during doing that same thing, if you really liked where you're going to stay, Online, you can actually just switch it and then switch it back, and you would get the next the new rate. So, ah. that's a tip from me. Another one would be if you book a king room at a moderate resort, you can request a water room view at no extra charge. It's not guaranteed, though. Hmm. So, okay, that's good. To which know. it can make sense in the sense that you know you're already paying for a king room, so maybe that's why they can they get their willing to throw that in if sometimes I don't know another one would be that Disney will guarantee connecting rooms if your party includes more children than adults uh-huh. in Disney terms adjoining rooms are next to each other and connecting rooms have a door between right. them right so now we used to quite frequently when we went to the Polynesian have rooms that had connectors but I mm-hmm. think a lot of their rooms do because of the time period it was built in. It was built, yeah. Yeah, I remember just like every time we would almost always leave that door open during the day. Yeah, yeah. just walk back and forth between each room. Yep. Yeah. We had connecting rooms, yep. Yeah. It's basically like making it uh, almost like a two-bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spread in a way. So yeah. We just had to pay for two rooms. And we, you know... Given the number of people, I'm not trying to say we were above the the legal or anything most of the time, but the number of people we had between those two rooms, um, if you split it up, it was probably not too bad if you split the cost up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. 
again, I'm not trying to say we were over the the legal limit or anything back in those days, but yeah, we probably were. That's funny. <laughs> All right. So again, another unofficial tip here, kind of going through these as I come to them. Three to four days before you arrive, call the resort front desk. Call late in the evening when they're not so busy and reconfirm the request that by now should be appearing in their computers. I didn't do that. Maybe I should have. Uh, well, in, in reality, uh, I remember they don't actually assign them until I think it's three days. Like they don't assign you a room until three days. Right. So if you had a specific request, they're going to try and meet it unless there was something like someone else already requested the room before you. Right. You know, if you're asking to get in your room early, they're going to try something else, you know. Right, right. Things yeah, like first that. First available versus, mm-hmm. you yeah. So I'm not going to get too deep into this, but they do talk about one of the, the tips of renting points uh, when it comes to property. I've thought about doing uh, this. But I yeah, I've looked, in, I've looked into it several times, never actually jumped at it. I do know that there's some places that I've seen that have really good high satisfaction rates. It's another one of those things where you have a booking window where it's going to be more optimal, by the way. Yeah. With DVC, you have a booking window... I forget exactly where it is, like 10 months or something like that, when you can start, like you can't book any longer than this. If you want to go, they'll give you an option of trying to reserve one sooner than that, say like a year out or so. Mm-hmm. But it's going to cost you even more per point in order to do so, to reserve such that far out. So I can't remember. I think it's 10 months, and then there's like a, a seven or eight month is the next tier or something like that. Obviously, the closer it gets to the time, if you haven't jumped and rented yeah. the points, your options are going to be significantly right. lessened. Less, yeah. You're most likely going to be staying at Saratoga or Old Key West the closer it gets. So, interestingly enough, they did a survey that asked how satisfied they were with the Disney Hotel. Mm-hmm. And would you recommend it? And would you stay at it again? They put it into category that said the type of hotel typically chosen, which was a budget, moderate, upscale, or luxury, right? Then you have its Disney value and the positive responses, like percentage-wise, the moderate, the positive responses, the deluxe, the positive responses, and the DVC. Mm-hmm. So for those that typically chose a budget hotel, the value got 71% positive. The moderates got 57% positive. Mm. The deluxe got 85 and the DVC got 78% positive responses. Hmm. So for those, those that typically chose mo- chose moderate hotels, mm-hmm. the values got 70%, so it's down one. Uh, the moderates got 61%, so it actually went up to its highest level, we're going to see. Hmm. The deluxe actually went down, interestingly enough, 74%, and DVC 78%. Okay. Next one they consider was upscale. Obviously, the values are going to start tanking here, 65%. But the thing about it is, even at 65%, both the upscale and the luxury, the people said 65% positive at Disney value. That should be speak volumes about people that normal stay, normally stay at upscale and luxury hotels. If they're putting a Disney value resort even at 65%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. I agree. Um, I agree. That's a um, good thing. 
the moderates, though, they kind of suffer a little more. So they're, they're going to get one of the lowest ones. The luxury ones, they said moderate is 51%. Hmm. I mean, which is interesting. I feel like the moderate resorts, especially with the values now getting the, the refurbs, mm-hmm. I feel like the moderate resorts have probably been ignored the most yeah. recently until yeah. Caribbean and Coronado both got some love this past year. Yeah. So. I mean, I would say there's not a huge difference between the moderates and the values except you know the rooms are a little bit bigger but the style is very similar the resorts are just as big on most of them except for french quarter perhaps but otherwise there's not a huge difference so well that most of the moderates usually have a table service yeah and they're usually not that good to be honest, I can't think of a single one that I like, at, except Sebastian's Bistro, which they've even started scaling that back. So, oh, they I saw they're not doing lunch anymore at Sebastian's Bistro. So, I didn't realize that. That was the only good restaurant I've ever eaten at a moderate resort. So, so I guess the bottom line from that though is the results say that if you're going to stay on Disney property, you're going to get a good quality place, even at the value or yeah. the lowest end yeah, um it, it really depends on what you're used to though i mean if you're used to the polynesian you can't compare you know all star sports to polynesian you know what i'm saying there's just That's not true. a comparison there if you're yeah. going to try to compare them in that sense then yeah it's not fair okay it's gonna yeah. polynesian's gonna win every time true you know, it's just just not a fair comparison okay so right. yeah but you're paying four times as much for the Polynesian right. than you are the all-star movies or sports. That's or whatever. another thing. Yeah. Another yeah. thing you got to consider. So if you had to guess mm-hmm. which resorts, and one of these is kind of not fair because they bunched them together, okay. but which resort had the most number of rooms. So when I just said that last bit, you probably know which one has the most rooms. <laughs> okay. If they bunched them together, meaning... As in all-star resorts, like all oh, three oh, of I the see. sports, I music, see. and Well, yeah, that's obviously movies. got the most rooms. Yeah, 5,406 rooms in those Yikes. in that category, basically. I think they're combining Orleans and French Quarter as well, because I don't see them set up. Hmm, that's what uh, Riverside and French Quarter, because they just got Port Orleans Resort. So, but if you combine those two, though, it's still 3,056. So that's, wow. you know, almost... 2,500, though, less than the All-Stars, all three yeah. of those combined. So That's still a lot of rooms. The single most that, you know, this for just the one resort, though, like one theme, one everything, mm-hmm. is Pop Century. Yeah. At 2,880 rooms. That makes rooms, sense. Wow. Which is another reason why it usually has availability. Not that it's not popular. It actually is very popular. Yeah, it is. It just has a lot more rooms available. Wow. If you're going to base them on category, I'm trying to think which deluxe here probably has the least number of rooms. It's just the deluxe. Obviously, Treehouse Villas only has 60 villas, so that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of a given. But I'm thinking just individual deluxe hotel. Boardwalk Inn has 371. That's the lowest I see. Mm. I think it might eventually be Riviera, isn't it? Riviera is pretty small overall. Yeah, I mean, it might. I'm not sure how many it's going to have total. Might be. Resort pool ratings. Ah, okay. We know so, it's number one. Well, yeah. And it's the only one that gets five stars because they're doing it by star rating. Oh, uh, okay. Storm and it Bay. is 
Yep, Stormalong Bay, Yacht and Beach Club Resorts at Beach Club Villas, so it's a shared complex. If you had to just take a wild guess, numbers 2, 3, 4, and 5 are all tied, basically. Hmm. If you had to just guess at one, which one do you think would be included here? There's actually four different ones that are tied at four and a half stars. I'm wondering if it's Polynesian, Grand Floridian, Wilderness Lodge. They all have the similar pools. Well, you named two of the four there. Uh, Polynesian was not one of those. Okay. Um, Grand Floridian was one, and Wilderness Lodge was one. So okay. the other two, the other two in that category, though, were Animal Kingdom Villas uh, and yes. um, Sarah's Toga Springs. Hmm. Uh, resort and spa, including the treehouse fellows. So, hmm. I've not seen the pool over at Saratoga. Yeah, so that was numbers two through five were all tied. There's numbers six through thirteen are all tied, but what are included there are Jumbo House, basically of uh-huh. Animal Kingdom Lodge, Port Orleans, yeah. Coronado Springs, the Dolphin, the Swan, the Polynesian Village Villas and Bungalows. Bay Lake Tower and Caribbean Beach Resort. The next two yeah, each cool. get good. Well, we're getting down toward the bottom now because the next two get three and a half stars: Boardwalk Inn mm. and Villas. The creepy um, clown pool. Uh, yeah, that's one of them. That's <laughs> among the, the I, least. I get that. <laughs> Contemporary Resort probably because it's very ordinary. Um, it's nice yeah. though. I thought All Star Resorts get a three star. Art of Animation gets a three-star, which kind of confuses me. I thought from the looks of it, of course, I've never been there. From the looks of it, I thought it would be pretty cool to have a... The big blue pool. Yeah, the big blue pool would be cool. Yeah, it's nice. Know. It looks nice to me, but it's maybe it's overcrowded. Is, yeah, is I don't get I don't it. Know. And, and the uh, the layout even at the pool over and... Um, the You know, the car section, you know, it's kind of yeah, neat the that they have cone the, the cones. And, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Old Key West Resort is at a three. I don't really know much about the pools over there. For Wilderness Resort and Campground, do they even have any? I mean, I guess they got to have something. I think they do have a pool somewhere. They got a three star. Pop Centuries gets three stars. I might could get that. I mean, I know they're shaped fun like a lot of the All Star stuff does. I guess but... there's no slides or anything major like that. Right, nothing. Think. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why these get down in there. Of course, the last one on the list that also is three stars though is Shades of Green. So, again, I guess those last ones, because there's nothing extra to them, maybe, like you were saying. No extra theming. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, they have theming. They don't have anything like slides and such. Like you said, extras or or, uh, not even a splash pad in some of those cases. Though I thought Art of Animation had something kind of like a splash pad. Uh, And the others may have added it. Uh, I couldn't really say for sure. Um. Disney's Hotels, The Complaints and Comparisons. Oh. Okay. Okay. So that's a, that's a fun one. They have categories here of sound, lighting, and pillows. And then, of course, it gives them an overall when it's said and done. Okay. Okay. The first one on the list is All-Star Movies. It actually got a D in sound, uh, which I could imagine. Hmm. Um, a C in lighting. A C in pillows. And a C minus, interestingly enough, overall. Hmm. I that was m- the most recent one. Now I don't know particularly why. Maybe it could have been because the time of this last survey, there was a lot of construction going on and stuff there, especially okay. the remodeling of the rooms. So it may have affected its rating. Yeah, I was trying to think what would the sound be. 
What is it yeah. more other guests or is it construction? And it is the most popular of those three, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. All Star Music actually got an A in sound, okay. a C in lighting, and a C in pillows as well, and a B overall. All Star Sports was the exact same ratings all the way across. Okay. A C C B. Okay. Uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Jumbo House, is this one. It got an F in sound huh. based on this. I don't understand what that could have been. It got an A in lighting. And a B in pillows and got a C plus overall. So it actually got a lower rating overall wow. than music and sports. And I just really don't understand why. But yeah. kind of the same thing with Kadani Village. It got a C in sound, C in lighting, B in pillows, and then got a C overall. So still both lower hmm. than music or sports. Interesting. Art of Animation got a C in sound, B in lighting, B in pillows, and a B minus overall. So yet, still again, lower than sports or music. And of course, the suites, they got Bs all across the board and a B overall. So Bay Lake Tower, uh, A in sound, C in lighting, which I don't understand that. I thought maybe the lighting, they mean like walking to and from maybe? I don't know. Mm -hmm. B in pillows, so a B plus overall. Okay. So I know I've given you some of these, but I'm going to kind of just skip, skim down so I don't have to do like the whole list of things. Yeah, a lot of Because we've got, as far as sound goes, we've got an F in that category already for Jumbo House, but there was two others that received that. Graham Floridian, <laughs> believe it or not, was one of those, and I don't quite understand they that. Got an I didn't, F? In sound. Hmm. Well, I mean, where were the people that took the survey where they were staying? But, I mean, I don't know what kind of sound they were talking about. Maybe they mean in uh, location to Magic Kingdom. Maybe the noise carries over there a little more because it is the closest one, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Contemporary is closest, right? So, yeah. One thing I will say I about Grand Floridian noise maybe is are the buildings are in kind of in a square that the pool sounds reverberate around the different buildings and it can be a little loud if you're in those that's the only thing i can think of the lobby is also very loud because it's a very popular lobby maybe that's something that if you're staying in the main building it can be loud i don't know i don't see how it's any more than any of the others but i don't know Mm. yeah because contemporary main building you get a lot of noise too from that so i don't know how one gets an a the other gets an f yeah yeah i don't quite understand that the other one that got an F, though, was Wilderness Lodge. And, again, it's got a lobby that could potentially have... Yeah. I actually stayed in one of those rooms, though, that was in the lobby. And I can see that because I could hear a lot of stuff that was going on at night with yeah. those... I don't know if it's because of the age of the room or the time period when the rooms were built. Maybe. But I could hear a lot of lobby activity. So that might be the reason that one got an F. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Well, like I said, the contemporary room, if you're over Chef Mickey's like I was, uh, you hear it. Oh, I really? It. Yeah. yeah. So the ones that got the best rating in sound, we already mentioned sports and music. Bay Lake Tower was another one. Mm-hmm. They got a good one for sound. Uh, Dolphin, actually, which you stayed there, right? You mm-hmm. stayed at Dolphin? Stayed there. You got there an twice. A in sound. So. Um, yeah, I didn't notice a lot of noise, yeah. Old Key West did because I feel like a lot of theirs, you know, it being one of the first... Um, 
vacation clubs and it was spread out and it's yeah. around a golf course. That makes sense. Yeah. Sound would make perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Riverside, it's kind of spread out, so maybe that has that helps with the noise. Uh, mm-hmm. Swan also got an A. The Treehouse Villas at Saratoga Springs Resort, again, it's away from the main traffic, so it makes yeah. sense guess, that it would be yeah. the least noisiest. Makes sense. So, Now, lighting, a lot of these got some relatively poor scores. Animal Kingdom Lodge, though, it got an A, the, the Jumbo House. Because it's um, mood lighting, I guess. It's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Right. Yeah, I know when you're over there at night, because we actually had a reservation to Jico that was evening, and we were leaving. I thought it was kind of dimly lit for inside, but, you yeah. know. I guess that's the point, but yeah, I don't know where they're talking about the lighting. Maybe they liked the, like you said, maybe they, the the mood, <laughs> yeah, lighting. Contemporary Resort makes perfect sense. There's definitely plenty of lights around there, um, yeah. so it got an A. Grand Floridian got an A. Could kind of see that. Polynesian Village got an A. Hmm. Uh, in yeah. that category, I like all the. Yeah, I agree with that. Wilderness Lodge got an A, and Yacht Club also got an A. Now, the ones that had the best pillows, this one's kind of interesting to me, what they considered being the best pillows. They all got pretty good scores. The lowest one you see in pillows is a C. There's several of them that got C. Oh, I'll take that back. There is one D on here. So the one that got a D was Fort Wilderness, which... Hmm. And they are talking about the cabins, so maybe only marginally surprising. Say so the so, other option is sleeping on the ground. So I it's guess like you your own. It's, <laughs> it's like the other. You kind of. It's your fault if the pillow's not comfortable because right, yeah. you bring your. It's BYOP. Right. <laughs> uh, I always BYOP. Huh? <laughs> you usually bring your own pillow anyway. No, not really. I actually usually do bring a body pillow still. No, I usually don't. Um, their pillows are usually pretty good in my experience. I mean, the only the mermaid rooms I didn't like the pillows there, but the Pop Century had great pillows, so... Yeah. So there were s- several that got A's. There's Most of them are B's in this category, mm-hmm. so we're going to do the excellence okay. in here. Uh, Contemporary Resort was one of them. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the Dolphin was one of them. Mm-hmm. They were good, I guess. Uh, the Grand the Floridian, you would expect cool. that they would have, like, supreme pillows, you would think. Yes. Uh, they were, they Ol- were really good there. Old Key West also got an A. Yeah. The Swan also got an A. The Swan and Dolphin, I think, got exactly the same all the way across. Yeah. A, D, A, and a B plus. Okay. So. Oh, and the other A's are Wilderness Lodge and Yacht Club as well. Okay. Got A's. As far as resorts that got overall good scores, the highest they gave for overall was B plus. No one gave any A's. Hmm. So the B pluses were Bay Lake Tower, Contemporary, Dolphin, Old Key West, Swan, and Yacht Club hmm. overall. I'm surprised ones like, say, Polynesian didn't get better, but, you know, I got an F in sound, so I yeah, still didn't quite... Down. Hmm. I didn't quite get why Polynesian had an F in sound. Yeah, I don't understand that one. So, yeah, hmm. it got an A in lighting, and it got a B in pillows, and it got a C plus overall. So it got the same as, you know, Jumbo House. So, I mean, and so their rating is technically lower than the All-Stars, except for movies. Mm-hmm. So I don't quite get that one. So, But again, that was due to their complaints and comparison. So it could, and it was, it changes over the years. 
And it looks like the best pillows are actually found at Swan and Dolphin, interestingly enough. So well, they're consistent. So the only issue with the Dolphin is most of the rooms have double beds, so you may be your head may be comfortable, but your feet are <laughs> hanging off the bed. Right. Yeah, the beds are too small there. They do have quietest rooms listed. If you're interested in which ones the quietest, which ones were rated the which quietest. Which hotels overall? No, it's or actually it it. it they're considered the quietest rooms in Walt Disney World. Oh. Period. So we got All Star Music Buildings Five and Six, the rooms facing the west. All Star Sports Building Three, rooms facing the west. Building Two, rooms facing the north. Bay Lake Tower, pretty much. They say any room there is good. They're the quietest in Walt Disney World. There. Really. Hmm. Did you experience that as being the case? It makes sense to me in the sense that it's separate from the main traffic of the other yeah, I guess I mean if the fireworks are still going on you're getting a lot of noise from that <laughs> but I guess makes sense but, yeah. Beach Club the easternmost hallways where the rooms facing the east Probably, I mean we're being relatively quiet over there in the villas so hmm. but of course this is a separate category because Beach Club villas say rooms facing the southeast so I was probably in that range hmm Boardwalk Inn, all the rooms facing the courtyard, which is just east of the main lobby. Obviously, they mean nothing facing the actual boardwalk <laughs> would right. be considered Obviously quiet. that would be loud, yeah. Yeah. Um, or if you're facing the pool like we had, that's not quiet at all. Right. Um, Anything near a pool is not going to be quiet. Right. Especially the ones that have, if you're planning on taking a nap during the day, you're going to have the pools that have the music going and yeah. games going. Caribbean Beach... Trinidad South and buildings 35 and 38 rooms facing the lake are considered the quietest. At Port Orleans Riverside, the Alligator Bayou buildings 26 and 28 rooms facing the east. Mm -hmm. The Acadian House and the North Wings rooms facing west. So there's several options at some of these. French Quarter says building one rooms facing water, building seven North Wing rooms facing water, building six North Wing rooms facing water. Treehouse Villas, obviously any room is good. Like I said, it's away from everything. Yeah. Wilderness Lodge, Copper Creek Villas, middle of the northernmost wings, rooms facing the northwest woods. So they're talking about also away from the main traffic would make it quieter. And, of course, the Boulder Ridge Villas, the southernmost part of the building, which is uh, the water view rooms facing yeah. the east. So I've noticed that Grand Floridian Contemporary Regular... Mm -hmm. And Polynesian are all excluded from these. I've never really had a like what I would consider a problem with noise at Polynesian, so I don't understand that. I mean, yeah. there's noises you're going to hear just being where you are. For example, depending on where you are, you might hear a little bit of something from the monorail. Probably not over the course of the night, but or you might hear the um, the horn for the uh, ferry. Yeah. The boats, um, you do hear the boat, which I love those boat horns and everything, but I think both of those resorts have two pools in different locations in the resort, too, so that increases the noise. Right, for the chances. The yeah. The noise. The okay. pools are spread out. All right. We still got a good bit of stuff we can cover. I may look at it and see, so there's probably going to be another episode of this. I don't know how soon, but somewhere down the road, following up to it. If you have comments or opinions about this sort of thing that you would like to share with us, you can do so on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at TWTM Podcast. Uh, 
If you want to visit our Spreadshirt store to get your exclusive TWTM merchandise, you can do so there. That is shop.spreadshirt.com slash TWTM podcast. We also have a website, travelingwiththemouse.com, and you can email us there, podcast at travelingwiththemouse.com. And we have a Patreon page if you want to get more exclusive, in-depth content and want to get a shout-out on the show as well, you can do that. Patreon.com slash TWTM podcast. You know, I was just thinking, you know, I mentioned that I was considering um, maybe going through the planning stages mm. of, uh, of my upcoming trip. I might consider making that just exclusive to Patreon ah. for the time being. Yeah. Give us something for patreon so it might give you something to if you want i don't know if you want to call them exclusive tips it's more like just insight into how i'm going to go about planning this upcoming trip for those that like that are having to plan trips further out i think i might do a segment and maybe just do it to patreon that way gives you a little incentive maybe to become a patreon if you're interested in that sort of thing so not saying it'll be out there just yet, but it's it's a thought that just crossed through my head just now. So, cool. All right. So, for Adam Brown, I am John Martin. This has been traveling with a mouse, and we will see you on our next trip. <laughs>